You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Hey crew, this is Mark Hatmaker coming to you from the Comancheria. Hey, uh, hey, Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Holidays, whatever your choice phrase is there. You know the intention of it, and I'm sure you're accepting it as such. Hey, today let's talk about a little bit about PT, and it's just not physical training uh, for uh, combat sports. Well, of course, that's primarily what my focus is, but your focus may be different. Uh, I assume you're listening that you get a little bit of interest in it, but if not, still, yeah, just physical training. Everyone kind of digs it, but we're primarily also talking about body weight and the importance of possibly getting down. I'm not saying anything new there, getting it down a bit. Uh, this is kind of me extrapolating in a blog post we had called Your Body is Performance Car. And uh, we'll be dealing with some of that material, but we'll be going a little bit deeper in an informal way as I yak it yak about it. And again, if you're interested in this sort of thing, I'll put the, the link in there to that particular blog post. And I would also highly recommend a prior post called Three Old School Principles. You must have to unstick your PT. But enough of that preamble. Let's get on. Your body is performance car. All right. Now we're going to start our engines over at Le Mans, France, where beginning in 1923, world-class drivers have been coming to test themselves in a 24-hour endurance race. All right. Now where many racers test speed uh, over a course of limited laps, Le Mans ups the ante and asks for speed, of course, but also endurance of both the car and test the stamina of the flesh and blood piloting that vehicle. All right. And now for any who doubt that performance driving is a physical endeavor, mine, I suggest you enrolling yourself in a rally driving course, put yourself mid-pack at speed for even a mere 10 laps, and wage your estimation of the physical demands are going to change. So imagine that multiplied over 24 hours, all sorts of road conditions, all sorts of weather conditions, uh, the heat, the folks, the concentration. It's absolutely daunting uh, uh, enterprise to consider. Now, let's keep this in mind. Listen to this clear, uh, carefully, all the emphasis I'm placing, all weight impacts all performance all right there's going to be cars for everything else but we're going to start out and stay with the cars here for a moment let's turn to an extract from an article from a 1957 issue of true magazine titled the man who inherited death this was uh, penned by erwin Ir- c lesner the article discusses the in-depth preparation for le mans uh, by driver uh, pierre Laval. and i'm gonna give you a quote here now this just wasn't concerning his car this is uh, talking about the mathematics that have to be done on any vehicle to make sure this thing is efficient all right, quote, the petrol tank was a large problem in Le Mans cars. Regulations set the minimum interval between refueling as 25 laps. That's about 210 miles. The Talbot, which was his, uh, the kind of car he was driving, had a 40-gallon tank, which gave it a basic range of 300 miles. Levant, the driver, thought that 330 would be safer, so a new tank containing 44 gallons was built. This, in turn, caused an increase in weight. Now, here's the important sentence. Pay close attention. Since every ounce might reduce speed by one yard per hour and the loss of 24 yards that's the same whole day race keep in mind could decide the issue weight had to be saved by the body unquote now allow me to repeat that portion there since every ounce might reduce speed by one yard per hour and the loss of 24 yards could decide the issue weight had to be saved by the body unquote now keep that in mind a loss of one yard per hour that's 24 yards in a day if it were possible to drive that car for seven days straight that's a loss of 168 yards we drove it for a year that is 4.96 miles now keep in mind we're talking a mere single ounce 
Well, this 16 ounces in a pound, a pound away over optimum, results in a loss of 384 yards in a 24-hour period. In short, weight matters. Okay, we're talking about performance cars. We're talking single ounces. But it matters far more uh, than a short-term view indicates. All right, now, recently... Uh, I'm talking about my dog for a moment. I have a lab mix, so Tusari uh, is an engine name. Uh, she's currently 87 pounds of bounding, frolicking, obsessive ball retrieving energy. She's seven years old. She carries 12 pounds above optimum weight. As she ages, chances for injury increase, speed goes down, stamina foreshortens. All right? So same thing as the car. To forestall the diminishing ACL that she's got, it's kind of an inherited factor for her, my orthopedic vet has offered that for every lost pound that approaches the optimum weight, her performance will increase. He actually laid this out mathematically just as we found in the Le Mans car. Performance will increase. Pain will decrease. And odds look better on the longevity table. So it seems that what holds for performance cars holds for performance animals. And for those of us who consider ourselves combat athletes, we are performance animals. Keep in mind the game is not one of mere pounds, but even ounces in the long haul of life. Every increase over optimum, well... There you go. Now, keep in mind, this over-optima is not merely talking about body weight. So if you think this is a fat-shaming thing, good God, no. And we're all supposed to be happy and enjoy ourselves the holidays, but this goes for everything. Let's look at the longevity of offensive NFL linemen. Let's look at the longevity of, uh, of bodybuilders. And then we know some of this has to do with the, uh, the, the chemical concoctions that are put in, but we can also take that to what else? Other large human samples. Well, to be quite frank, uh, very tall people just do not live as long. Well, now just remember, this is the, the broad general uh, uh, statistical table there. Okay, so you know, in the in the individual factor, in the anecdote, that can be the case. But really, the larger the human being, the larger the animal, the less uh, longevity is on it. So the more we can, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't really lose height by you know going on a diet and exercising uh, hard, but everything else. So we're talking about it's just not fat. It can be muscle. It's this overage, this unnatural overage, getting you away from what uh, you might have been. So again, I repeat, we're not just talking fat. Off to today, jacked is a game of increase. That is increasing the size of the fuel tank with zero consideration of what the added weight might be doing to the chassis as a whole. Now let's uh, ponder about human fuel tanks of yore. It's only kind of recently that uh, thanks to pharmaceuticals and also uh, the fashions and fads of thoughts that we thought uh, we had the opportunity, the caloric uh, excess, to be as big as we want to be, whether that's uh, you know, with uh, being fat or that's going to be you know, packing on with protein powders and creatine and a few other tinkerings to get these uh, larger-sized bodies. If we look at athletes of the past or beyond sports, the conditioning of high-performing hosses in the old days, we see the ranks populated less by well, you know, the comic book expectations we encounter today than a more reserved, more realistic, more well, I'll say it, efficient and effective performer. There was lots of folks back then that had strongman shows that were re remarked upon walking around the street clothes. No one would ever know any difference there. And that was often mentioned again and again in many journalists' accounts. And that's fascinating because now we can just look at, uh, you know, Chris Hemsworth or anyone sitting around an interview. And we all can tell right up front something's different going on here. Yes, there were very large, strong men in the past. Uh, well, people, they were admired in Oakland. With Louis Sear comes to mind as our stand-in icon of this class. But most of these people were plus-sized human beings, and uh, you know what I mean. Not exactly, uh, uh, not exactly just a little plus-sized, very plus-sized. They're not exactly aesthetic wonders. But, you know, of course, one not need to be an aesthetic wonder to be effective. Here we're not talking about uh, size uh, as a one-to-one -one relationship with strength. We're talking about as a, a relationship with a stamina or long endurance 
or over the long haul, we're talking about if we have a reduction uh, in, in a, an hour of life, a reduction in a 24 hours of life, a reduction in a week, and a year, we think about it, that's what these decades are, are doing to us, this net drain, net drag. We're, and we think only at the end, I've slowed down. We may not be realizing we're slowing down with each and every hour we carry this excess and overage, increase risk to the joints if you already got the arthritis and everything on you, every bit overage. Well, it's overage. Now, go back to the old days again. If we look to the ranks of physical culture and or the combat sports of boxing and wrestling, we will allow three exemplary individuals to stand in for what was the average so-called large size of each endeavor. Keep in mind these stand-ins were not outliers. They were pretty much the standard. In physical culture, that's another name for the early days of bodybuilding, we have Eugene Sandow coming in at around 185 to 195 pounds. Now, that is a far cry from today's heavyweight bodybuilding class, yet have a look at his physique and decide for yourself. And you might not be thinking, yeah, if he were bigger, he'd be more pleasing in the eye. No, take a look at the photos. You realize, oh, my God, this, this is pretty amazing. Keep in mind, Mr. Sandow was not mere show muscle. He could perform feats of strength as well. The aesthetic standard of yore also assumed ability. No mere beach muscle. Use of muscle was the watchword. Uh, in boxing, he's a heavyweight champ, but he's ranged in fighting weight from around 183 to 193. Again, that is a far cry from many of today's heavyweights. Yet, does anyone doubt his formidable punch? Of course not. Uh, in wrestling around, I'm going to pick someone from that same time period. We have Jim Londos. And the puffery that often surrounds pro wrestling, he was usually billed as weighing around 200 pounds. But athletes in the know who stood alongside him, men such as David P. Willoughby, assert that his uh, Londos weight was really around 175. And I think if you look uh, photos of Londos at the time, at the height of 5'8", and you take a gander his physique, Willoughby's eyewitness estimation probably sounds closer to the truth than the 200 pounds that uh, the posters want to say. Now, the training arrow of that time was, forgive the word, weighted towards natural bounds and good performance weight. The lighter uh, weight by current standards training arrow was nothing new to the mind of Americans who were still steeped in the frontier tradition. I mean, we're not just talking this didn't just hold for sports. It was just the way leaner was meaner. At the turn of the uh, centuries before the ones we were examining, the 1700s to the 1800s, the voyageurs, the uh, keelboatmen, the raftsmen, the rivermen were considered hoss athletes, and they were offered as uh, physical exemplars and tale after tale of remarkable feats strength and endurance. When rivermen were portrayed on films now, we often get these large burly hosses if that's what it took to get the job done. In fact, smallness was coveted. Why? Well, think about this. Room in canoes was valuable. Room in keelboats was valuable. There's only so much space. Larger men eat up room for stackable profits of beaver pelts, so on. You know, uh, cargoes going up and down a river. The average size was of these humans was closer to a height of 5'6 to 5'8 with weight topping at around 165 pounds. And in the old days, there was also young boys who idolized these rivermen, often lamented growth spurs as it took them out of the range of the, those they admired. So leaner and meaner. Performance cars. The training arrows of yore emphasize leaner and means uh, meaner. It does not necessarily bigger is better. Weight, be it muscle or flab, requires resources to move, requires energy to shuffle about the planet, and also may it be a net drag in overall health if it's not just uh, slowing us down. We look at those longevity tables, whether it's muscle or fat or even height, we do see something happening. And then we start adding in not necessarily longevity, we're adding in arthritis and other uh, diseases of slow decline, which we're all going to experience. The, the, we are designed to fail. That is the entropy at work. Uh, bigger is not better. 
you know, pre-motorized transportation, whether it was uh, us walking around at our feet or active on waterways, paddling, poling, hauling, cordling, or us atop of a horse, uh, size matters. The larger the human animal to heft around, the more problems encountered. Uh, okay, let's look to Marine Owen West, who uh, his observation to illuminate. He refers here to a swole uh, Marine. Uh, quote, he had sculpted the perfect build given our working uniform like cops. It is protocol to beef up the biceps to fill out the rolled camouflage sleeves when our Marines start pulling this crap working on beach muscles of, for aesthetic purposes gunny and i run the extra meat off until they view the extra weight as a burden unquote so again it's uh, we know we we want aesthetically we think bigger might mean something but uh, i'm not just talking the aesthetics uh, point here the whole point of today is talk about it's our net drag and what we're having with the stamina perhaps longevity and if that's just not for the cars or my dog it's for us so in other words, how are we talking about living here? Are we talking about living at a time of deprivation? No, these people ate, these early rivermen ate wills, Sandow ate well. It's just saying start at the cut. Don't try and go up and down. We don't want to be, if we're already big with, you know, flab or largeness, we, obviously we want to bring that down and all this, but it doesn't mean living with deprivation. Me, eggnog, this time of year, I, 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 I guzzle this stuff two, three times a day. No, I, I just love it. But we do want to start at the cut. This leaner equals meaner equation also applied to combat sports at the time where weight cutting was oft, uh, is often part and parcel of the game today. Formerly, far less weight cutting was done, far less ado was made about it, uh, as the work rate and the frequency of fight bouts served as the checks in between all this uh, fight bloating. You're not waiting six, seven, eight months between a fight here. Fighters work closer to the natural weight class because simply weight cutting steals strength and stamina and winds up being a long-term drain on health. Again, if we get out of just weight cutting alone, people with the yo-yo dieting, same thing. It's an impact on health. Uh, it is akin to attaching a U-Haul to your lawns car between races and then putting that performance engine under stress and expecting it still to be top-notch each time we require it uh, to hit an endurance track when we drop that trailer. So our job is to start at the cut, to live at the cut. This training arrow is opposite today's beefed up and then cut down mentality. This was seen as counterproductive and health killing. So we're not just talking in between bloated. We'd even be saying, well, I'm going to get all big and jacked and uh, hit this big creatine cycle and get up a bit. Then I'll, I'll pull it back down. Again, health killing, stamina killing. Life like Le Mans is a long haul event. It's a game of ounces or pounds where the, yeah, I'm a few pounds over, but that's okay. It means fact be far far more impactful than we realize it matters in cars aircraft racing ocean craft spacecraft and all vehicles expected to perform we know this if any of us tick, uh, tinker around with any of these vehicles we know how much it matters to strip the weight off of them it matters on our pets it matters on my dog if i want to keep them healthy and you know somewhat pain-free over the long haul it's a disservice to allow this to continue on with it and it definitely well it matters for you and me every ounce over optimum be it muscle or fat results in a net loss of time. Now, this isn't to scare us into becoming anorexic, but it is to allow us to have food for thought to go, hey, I'm not going to tell you that you know, you're not sweating. We should all be down on 10% body fat. Oh, hell no. But we all know what we mean by having a little bit over. There's perhaps far more detriment to us than we realize. The 24-hour period of Le Mans shows us that the time scale need not be a lifetime. We may be suffering net losses in the day-to-day. The growth foreshortened with each day these overages persist. Well, that's the end of that little soliloquy there. Again, none of this is meant to be a hectoring. It's just something just to you know, allow me to keep my own the prize as well. And I thought the Le Mans car was a wonderful way to take a look about an ounce steals a yard of progress 
in an hour. And you just keep magnifying that over time. Whether you're magnifying the time scale, uh, you're magnifying how much, how many more ounces over there is. And some of us will, will admittedly say, "Well, hell, it is 16 ounces in a pound. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm dragging around this track, and it's not looking good right now." Or our job is to bring that down. And it doesn't necessarily mean starvation diets. It doesn't mean doing marathons, anything like that. And again, of course, I'll stand on that uh, the soapbox of the black box uh, program, the unleaded in particular. You don't have to work that hard to lean it up. Again, using old school principles, it's far, far easier than we realize. I mean, with that said, uh, hopefully you enjoy yourselves, uh, take care of yourselves, and happy holidays one and all. Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, ExtremeSelfProtection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages of like musics. <laughs>